0: Lost Talk Radio. <laughs>
1: Hello? Hello? Hello. It's Mark here. Hello. Hey, Mark. This is Chris.
2: Do we have Andrew?
0: Hi. Andrew's here, yep. Yeah.
2: And do we have uh, Mark Warner? That seems to be the man we're missing right now, the, the host of the sh- one of the men's of the ceremonies. Hi, this is Chris Lisa from the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and I'm along with Andrew Forbes and Mark. Schlegel? Did I get that right, Mark?
1: Um, it's pronounced Schiag.
2: Schiag. <laughs> I'm sorry. We That's are right. our co-host for a second, so everyone bear with us as uh, uh we're getting through a uh, slight te- technical difficulties. So uh, anyway, how you guys doing tonight?
0: Doing wonderful, Chris. How are you guys doing?
2: Oh, okay. uh, we're doing very well. doing well. Uh, maybe, uh, get a quick thought from both you guys of the Stanley cup, uh, finals and how it played out. Go for it, Mark.
1: I mean, what can you say about the penguins, right? Um, December, everyone wrote them off and now all of a sudden they're four time champions in the last 25 years. I mean, you have to give credit where credit is due. Rutherford for making the right moves when he did, um, Mike Sullivan, gelling the team together, um, just an incredible run for um, a team that a lot of people wrote off earlier in the year. And it just kind of goes to show you that, you know, it may look bad in December, but it's what you do when it matters in March and April and May. And you know Penguins are a testament to that.
0: I completely agree, Mark. And I think one of the, one of the interesting things too is how Mike Sullivan brought up some of these young guys and, and what a role they played down the stretch and into the playoffs and, and just talking about Rusty and, and Shiri and um, just, just an unbelievable, like you said, uh, molding of the team by Mike Sullivan to get that team, you know, to play as a unit and, and find a way into that playoffs. And, and, you know, they did what they needed to do when it came to uh, the postseason. So, um, you uh-huh. know, got to give them a lot of credit. And, and uh, you know, being from the Toronto area, I think, uh, you know, Phil Kessel got – you know, he, he had a hard go here in Toronto and he was made out to be a number one, number one guy when, you know, he's, he's a guy that likes to play in the shadows a little bit. And, uh, you know, we saw that in the playoffs and he, he did an unbelievable job and deserving of uh, a chance to raise that cup.
1: And I, Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's a, I personally thought that he would have won the con Smythe, um, just the way to what he was able to do while Crosby and Malkin weren't necessarily performing at their best at times. And he was just there to consistently, you know, his line all, all the way around with Hagelin and have uh, just uplifted that team, when, especially when they needed it. And it just kind of goes to show you too about the coaching and how um, last time the Penguins won a cup before this, they got rid of their coach mid-season. You know, this time they got rid of their coach mid-season. It's just really amazing um, what that actually can do when you have the right kind of guys in the room. Yeah, couldn't Personally, agree, couldn't I, agree I, more. I Mark. thought,
2: um, I'm sorry, I thought uh, Nick Benino. I could probably make a real strong case for Nick Benino getting the guns Smythe because he got so many big goals in this playoffs. He made so many big plays, blocking shots, playing hobbled. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm nothing against Sidney Crosby, but I mean, to me, it should have been Benino or Kessel.
0: Yeah, or, or I mean, Murray. Like, I mean, how many times did Murray stand on his head for that team and, and, you know, come up huge? You know, for for such a young guy on such a big stage, it's um, you know, he has to be right up there in terms of consideration as well. I'll make the
1: Crosby argument because if if I had a vote, I would have given it to him, and and it wasn't necessarily what he did in the final on the score sheet. I mean, he was able to score well prior to that but just the little plays that he was making just long stretches of dominance with his possession and winning key faceoffs, and making little plays that allowed the Kessels and the Beninos and, and a lot of these other Penguins to find more room because the San Jose Sharks had to really account for him. So, yeah, they may have done a good job of shutting him down points-wise, but if you take um, Crosby out of their lineup, I just don't see the Penguins, they're not the same team because the, they can put their focus back on the rest of the team. Just Crosby just demands so much attention, and yet he's still able to play at such a high level in making the right pass or setting up his teammate. Um, and I think those that voted for him just saw, you know, how instrumental mm-hmm. he was in the little piece. Just going off that I too, heard, Mark. Yeah.
0: Sorry, Chris, one of the things that... No. Uh, Really impressed me a lot was was the way that Castle was able to go head to head with a guy like Joe Thornton in the finals, um, mm-hmm. you know, giving up so much size but being able to to maintain puck control and, and and find those guys in the open when you know you've got you've got one of the biggest you know kind of grizzly veterans out there for San Jose, you know, putting putting Crosby into the boards and, and really really creating a feisty atmosphere for him.
2: Were you uh, so? Were you guys? Uh, I mean, look—he—he's been a strong goalie all year long. Um, he played extremely well, going to the Cup final. But Martin Jones, just—I mean, if he—he he just took it to—to uh, the to zenith. I mean, uh, i was—I was not expecting that kind of performance. I could make a strong argument if it wasn't for his performance. This could have been a sweep. Uh, what what you guys – are we ready to call Martin Jones? Uh, you know, we got to start thinking about him as the next elite goalie in the league. What do you guys think?
1: I need to see a little bit more from him. I mean, you can obviously make the case that he had an incredible playoffs and you could see the upside he has. But I always hesitate um, because it's still a, a pretty small sample size. If he can put, like, another year or two together like this, and no question, you got to put him in the top of the league. But I still feel that there's a few goalies that have proven themselves a little bit more that I feel like um, would deserve to be above him still. But that doesn't mean he can't get there. I just have to see a little bit more from him. Yeah, you know what,
0: I, I fully agree. Um, you know, just a couple – se- last season even we were talking about you know, uh, in Toronto, Reimer versus Bernier and, and who you look at as a starting goalie based on their numbers. And and both had just played over just over 100 games in the NHL. Um, I mean, we're talking about a, go- a goaltender who's only played 99 career games in the regular season. Um, you know, and, and yeah, he has been uh, everything that, you know, you could hope for in a starting goaltender. And I think this year he showed that he's willing to put in the 60, 65 games to be a starter. Um, and in the playoffs, we definitely saw somebody who's, you know, capable of, of taking a team under his, under his wing and, and, you know, stealing a couple games. But I'm not sure I'm comfortable using the word elite at this point. Uh, I think I think he's a guy that, you know, you watch for maybe another full season as as Mark pointed out and, and you kind of go from there. And and I think he's if he's able to put up another season or two of this kind of play, I'm, and, and we're talking about, you know, his career goals against is 217. So, I mean, that's that's incredible. But if he's able to put that sort of together over the next couple of seasons, I think then we can start talking about, you know, do we have an elite goaltender on our hands?
2: Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I, I just did hear from Mark uh, uh, Porter. He's having some kind of technical... Difficulty. He'll be joining us any at any moment, so we'll get the draft show up and running. But uh, since uh, we have this moment here, hi Chris. You know, uh, hey, there he is. Okay.
1: <laughs> wow. Just and like Mark, to make an entrance, and Andrew, eh, Mark.
2: What's going on, boys?
0: How you doing? Hey, oh, how you doing, man? I had to doing, call man? into
3: our own show. <laughs> I'm actually <laughs> called in as a guest. So,
0: hello. <laughs>
2: Yeah, we doing? We just broke we, yeah, we just broke in uh, about the cup final a bit. Uh uh I yeah, guess I've been, uh, I've been
3: listening. I've been listening.
2: Oh, okay. I guess we're, before we start the draft show, just want to get uh Mark us say um, uh Mark first and uh Mark Eagle first and uh and then Andrew, uh you know, obviously the official announcement will be next Wednesday, but the Cats totally out of the bag as they say. Uh Vegas will be joining the NHL and Quebec City looks like uh, is in a waiting pattern. I, you know, I believe it's no to expansion, but relocation is definitely on the radar. How uh, you know? How do you feel about the uh, about that? We'll start with Mark first, and then Andrew.
1: I'm kind of on a wait and see in that too. I can kind of see both sides of the argument. Where you got the one side that says, "Oh yeah, you know, expansion, great. You want to get the game to as many places as possible." and and Vegas is a very intriguing market, you know, which obviously you have some people that live there, but you also have tourists. It will be really interesting to see how the city embraces a team like that. Um, But then you have the other people that kind of think, well, um, unfortunately it's going to an area where it's really not like Canada or it's really not like a cold-weather city. It keeps going to... um, like a hot weather place. So you're going to get those people that say, Oh, it's probably not a good idea. It's not going to work there. Um, I'm, you know, I'm going to kind of sit back and wait and see how this works. You know I have a lot of questions that I'm curious to wait for answers on, you know, I definitely see the potential there, but you know, we'll, you know, time will tell with this and, you know, we'll see how they do.
0: Yeah. You know, for me, I think we talked about this last time I was on the show. Um, and and I have no no uh, bad feeling towards Vegas getting a team. I think you know, like Mark, it's a wait and see game. See see where it goes and see how they how they're able to pull this off. And I think I, I think they're going to do all right. Um, in terms of you know, and I've said this before. I I think the problem with his, with expansion is you start to get a watered down talent pool. And that's where I'm still struggling with it a little bit. I mean, we already have 30 teams in the league. And, you know, there are some players that, you know, if you had the 20-team league, would not make the NHL over a span of a career. Um, and, And some of them are playing in the NHL at this point. So you're starting to add more teams, which opens up more jobs, which is great. But you know, at what point do you sort of look at the rules and say, "Look, we got to find a way to to you know find the talent pool that is out there and maximize it in the at the NHL level." And, and going off that, m- my thing too is you know, at some point you're going to have to move a team to Quebec. Um, you move back to Winnipeg. They have been successful, although they have not you know had the playoff success that. You know, you may maybe want, but in terms of drawing out that that fan base, you are there. You have such a solid fan base back in Winnipeg. You're going to have that again in in Quebec, and you know, I, I think at some point Gary Bettman's got to get this this grudge off of his shoulder and and find a way to get a team back into Canada in Quebec. And, and you're going to see the same thing you see in Winnipeg, where you're going to you're going to get the fans out. They're, they want that team there, so. Um, you know it 's only a matter of time in my opinion
1: so yeah, I, agree all, with you I
3: I agree with you a hundred percent on the uh Quebec needs to get a hockey club. This is Mark by the way um, we said from day one that the the coolest thing about maybe being an expansion team in the National Hockey League was to have the opportunity to go into the league with one of the most traditional markets that there is in in all of hockey is in Quebec and to kind of create that dichotomy with the most non-traditional market which is Las Vegas and to have us go in as a sister city with Quebec City would have been really our privilege here in Las Vegas to do that and it would have always been a bar that we could set for ourselves and judge ourselves against so mm-hmm. I, I i've never had the the feeling that it was us against them or that we deserve it more than Quebec Obviously they've had a team and the, the, I mean, I don't think anything needs to be said about the fan base there. um, That speaks for itself. There's no questions about that. There are questions about the fan base in Las Vegas, like you were just saying, will we be able to, uh, I think, I think the first year is pretty much covered. You have that honeymoon period. There are, they didn't allow season tickets to be sold to corporations or casinos or what have you until the private, sales were over 10,000 in sales. So, And I I was just reading the other day where uh, Commissioner Silver from the NBA said that that is sort of the benchmark that the NBA uses to gauge the effectiveness or successfulness or however you want to put it of an NBA franchise. And those first 10,000 tickets were sold to the community only. Um, So I, I don't know how that relates to the National Hockey League season ticket uh, averages amongst the franchises uh, That's And then since You know the AP sort of Spilled the beans on Tuesday there They've been pushing upwards of To 15,000 Season tickets Some of those all of the lower bowl is sold Out with three year commitments And most of that was done before The corporate sales Were initiated at 10,000 sales So the the lower bowl Is sold out for three years, local people. Um, the end upper bowls, the cheaper sections are sold out with one-year commitments. And then the upper bowl mid-sections, there's still seats available. But to go into your first season with 15,000 seats sold, at least 11,000 from my estimation to locals, I think that first honeymoon period is settled on. Um, the question, obviously, about the market is the, sustain, the sustainability of it. Um, and that's I, – I, I agree with – I believe it was Mark. that was saying that that's just a wait-and-see scenario. Uh, I, I can't sit here as a – I've been a hockey fan since 1980. We all know what happened in 1980 there. I was 12 at the time, just old enough to realize that uh the Iron Curtain and the Russians were coming to kill us all and um, – so that really started my love for the game, and here I am. Let's just say closer to fifty than I am to forty. <laughs> um, and uh, here I am. And I know, you know, I know a lot of people here in town that are real excited about it. And I know a lot of people in town that are. Well, if we get a team, I'm going to go. You're going to have to sit down with me and tell me how to what 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 hockey is. And, you know, I I always say, I'll be glad to take you to the game. I've got four season tickets myself. One of them will be for you. And, you know, it's going to take a lot of that and a lot of growing the game. And then I think also Mr. Foley has personally, to me, uh, committed to being a cap team. Um, he's the thing for the extension fee. There won't be any Glendale, Arizona City Council meetings creeping with their way north here to Las Vegas. The arena's... Privately funded, and the team is privately funded. So, and I, I, Point Blake, asked Mr. Foley, you know, he's a Florida title insurance billionaire. And I asked him, you know, what made you pick Las Vegas? You
1: know, he could
3: have went to Seattle with his money, with his money. made that arena up there happen. Everybody's in love with the Seattle market. But uh, so that was the question I asked him, Point Blake, and he said, there's three reasons. Number one, the arena is is privately funded and we won't have any issues like they have in some of the other markets. Number two, the research he did on the fan base indicates that it will support uh, a National Hockey League team. And number three, he thinks he can win here. He thinks the attraction of A, the climate, B, the obvious social entertainment options, and C, the fact that players won't have to pay a state tax living here, which gives us a 16% payroll advantage over California teams that he thinks he can win and win soon in this, in this market. So um, I'm kind of on the wait and see, but I think the first two or three years will be the feeling out period. And I believe he's going to put the right people in place in the hockey operations that will turn it into basically Vegas. You got to be a winner. There's not going to be room for, the years and years of mediocrity that uh, a lot of franchises in the National Hockey League are going through. And I think Mitch Foley is willing to make that happen. So there's my extended rant on the, uh, the Las Vegas expansion team. Let me let me get to uh, right before the show. What we're going to do, we're going to get into the, our mock draft. If anybody wants to follow along and keep track of our picks, and can send me a mock draft through the first 15 picks that beats our panel of experts, I will personally send you a Vegas Hockey Podcast t-shirt or an official NHL-licensed t-shirt from the Las Vegas NHL franchise the moment that they become available. Just DM me your information. You can send in your mock draft to Mark Warner at vegashockeypodcast.com. I will review all the emails in the first one uh, dated that we received that beats our picks as you know, the correct player slotted into the correct team um, trades, you know, we'll delete if there's a player traded out of that spot, we'll just delete that spot and reduce it down by one. So that's, uh, we'll take, we'll take uh, submissions through let's say the day before the draft at Twelve noon Pacific time, and you get a chance to score yourself either a uh, Las Vegas fill in the blanks or Vegas hockey pass. shirt. So with that, if everybody's ready to rock and roll, absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. That was my extended rant, boys. I don't know. <laughs> I kind of put everybody to sleep there, but this is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, so I had to. I had to do a little bit of, of pimping for Mr. Foley and the Las Vegas team. We're all I'm excited for sure. So with the first pick in the 2016 National Hockey League draft goes to the Maple Leafs, and
0: Andrew is on the clock. Well, I think this pick is pretty obvious, but uh, I'm going to go with Austin Matthews for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, uh, you know, I uh, I, I think we've all come to understand that the Leafs are looking for somebody down the middle, um, you know, as good as Patrick Laine is and, and, and as great as his MVP season was, I think Austin Matthews sort of fits that mold for, for Toronto. Um, uh, you know, they, they haven't had a, a strong number one center since Matt Sundin. And, uh, you know, it's a perfect building block for, for a team like this right now, um, to, ha- to be able to get that number one pick and go in and, and have a chance at Austin Matthews is, is, uh, obviously something that uh, Toronto will be looking forward to. And, yeah, so uh, Austin Matthews would go number one to Toronto. So say, uh, let's run it down. He's from Scottsdale, Arizona, another
3: another chink in the cap for desert hockey. Uh, just just 18, 6, 2, 210. He's probably going to add maybe an inch or two, probably once he gets in the NHL uh training program, maybe 10 to 15 pounds. So you might be looking at a 6'3", 6'4", 220-pound center. Um, With with Marner and Nylander, assuming Matthews plays in the NHL next year and assuming – Marner either the next year or the year after i think I think they'd like to at least get that pin game peekaboo at him at the start of the season um, let's say they all hit eighty percent of their ceiling does that does that make Toronto a playoff team here let's say three years' time uh
0: you know what I, I i think I think you're right in assuming that uh you know Matthews will likely be in the n h l next season. I think you'll see Marner get at least his, his, uh, his little tryout at the beginning of the season. Um, and, and assuming they hit at, as you mentioned, an 80% you know, success rate in terms of where their ceiling and potential is at, um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that not this year, but 2017-18, I think Toronto makes the playoffs.
3: Think their defense is good enough, depending on which pieces they can bring in. Sorry, say, say that again. Would you Would you think that uh, obviously that's offensively, offensively gifted players? and That's going to be a big boost for them. You think their defense will will hold up
0: there in front of Bernier
3: and get them over the hump?
0: Yeah, and and that's where their their downfall is at this point. Is uh, you know their goaltending prospects and, and right now sitting with with Bernier as your starter. Sparks and Bebo as as your potential um, up and comers. Um, that would be that would be your da- one downfall in terms of the defense. Um, you know you've got a guy you've got a leader back there in, in Morgan Riley, and I'd be I'd be shocked if he he's not wearing the C in, in the next couple seasons. Um, but there's a there's a young guy who seems to learn with every mistake that he makes, and he's a quick learner, and he he's willing to listen to what Babcock has to tell him. And you see it in every game last season, where he, you know, maybe a, maybe a miscue, and and he goes off, and and he came back right back out with with that much more confidence. So I think that to have him on the blue line, um, you know, you've got some pieces coming up in in uh, Dermott and uh, you know Jeremy Brock was coming up. Like there's a, there's some serious pieces there for the Leafs, and I think it's only a matter of time till they they really find that success in in terms of their their overall play, and I, as I mentioned, I think the biggest the biggest thing for them is to find a goaltending prospect that can turn into, as we were talking about earlier, a Matt Murray or a Martin Jones or you know something of that of that magnitude.
3: Chris, you got any comments? I know we had a guest on the show, and it might have even been you, Andrew, that said in last year's draft there was talk that if Matthews had been compatible or available. For the draft, uh, depending on who ended up in that number two spot, Matthews may have went in front of Eichel. Um,
0: I guess he, he, that was that you, Andrew. It wasn't me, but that's uh, that's an interesting uh, interesting statement for sure.
2: I so do have a question. I have a question. I have a question for the panel, and that okay. is, you know, I, I've been reading about uh, Arizona uh, again. Let's take this with a grain of salt, but I've been reading that Arizona—why and wouldn't they? Are are trying to get to the number one spot with something that, if they were really serious, it would. T- this kind of offer would at it would take at least this kind of offer to make Toronto think about it. And I'm going to ask the the whole panel here: with with this, at least, hit that mark of giving it heavy consideration. And that is, if Arizona offered Toronto the seventh pick. They have two first-round picks, the 20th pick, and Dylan Strom, who the Hockey News just ranked
1: Holy in their
2: future watch as the number one prospect in hockey and is a center for the number one pick. A, would you do it, or B, at least it's on the, the point of I'd have to really think hard about it, or C, I'm not trading the pick. Andrew, why don't you Simple. kick it off? i
0: mean you you'd have to think about it i don't think there's any question of that and then there were rumors swirling about uh the possible 7th 20th and, and Max Domi coming to Toronto for the number 1 pick and say you know another piece of prospect of some sort but um for me i i wouldn't i wouldn't move move it for that and and uh, I believe Arizona did come out and say they're not looking to trade their two first-round picks for the first overall pick. Um, but for me, I would not I would not trade the first overall pick, which you will be getting a solid center, as you mentioned, uh, Mark, in, in terms of his size after he grows a little bit. Um, you're, you're getting a solid piece, and uh, I just don't think, as, as good as Dylan Strom is, I don't think he matches up to that potential that you're getting with Austin Matthews.
3: Mark, why don't you weigh in on that? What do you think?
1: Yeah, I I don't even think about it. I don't make that move at all. Um,
3: <laughs>
1: I watched Dylan Storm enough. Um, he's going to be good. I just um, he, He's still got work on his feet. He's still got a few things that he needs to polish up and work on for the next level. And Austin Matthews is, in my mind, a class above him. And Although getting the seventh and the twentieth pick are nice, there are no guarantees of future success. If you're going to have, if you have the number one pick and you know that you're going to get a player that has the upside that Matthews has, I don't know why you'd mess with that at all.
3: I don't know. If you gave me two number ones and I believe last year's number three, I mean, yeah. I just pulled, I just pulled Strome up. He's six three, one eighty five, probably going. Six four one ninety maybe? maybe?
1: Um, I think he's a little bit and, more than that now. He's grown a little bit since then. Has he? Okay, 6'4", yeah, six, so, six, six, Pretty close That's to that, the, yeah.
3: Uh, Say his ceiling's a 12-year second-line center, spot duty on the first, power play duties, and picking up two number ones.
2: Oh, I think I think Trump about going to first first line center. Yeah, but the old I adage is it. too the old adage is too that most of the time the team that trades the best player in the deal loses the deal. Right? Yeah, and I, 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 I <laughs> tend to agree
0: with, with Mark on this one, is that I mean you're trading it for sure for for um, you know, two possible you know, as deep as this draft is you get 7 and 20 there's no guarantee they they ever ever match up to yeah. what uh what you're getting in Matthews and and to add to that I, I agree that uh, having not watched Strom as long as Mark has but just having seen him um in the playoffs this past this past season and and just watching him a little little bit I mean his skating is just not up to par in terms of in terms of where he'll need to be to to become a number one NHL
2: center, gotcha.
3: It's tempting. You could you could take the. Uh, you know, one of the things that might come into play is that a lot of. Uh, you were talking about Matt Murray or Martin Jones. I know Sharkies won't give away Martin, but you could turn. Let's say you're looking at Tampa Bay. You've got a – that isn't a trophy finalist and a Russian phenom there. You're only going to protect one of them. One of them's going to have to move. If you if you could flip those two number ones for a Ben Bishop, do you make that deal?
0: A three-way trade? I just Again, tweeted the pot, I mean, didn't
3: I? Mean,
0: I? <laughs> I mean – It's fun to think I about. Would, I mean,
3: we could do the what is all day, right?
0: It's something out mean, there. You're, you're again, yeah, you're you're you could go out and, and talk to Anaheim about either Gibson or Frederick Anderson. I mean, one of those guys are For gonna sure. have to move as well. You Two know, in Dallas, ones, one of those and Bernier. Yeah. Bernier, and and, Bernier and, and Bernier, Dallas, Dallas to back is have to move too.
3: Uh you might be able to games with this expansion draft rule coming up. A lot of players that are gonna be worth their salt uh unprotected that might just be had for two seconds, or two first-round yeah. picks, I mean. So if you could make a three-way deal where you you move the other two, you get Dylan Strome, your big center, um, and you get one of the goalies out there, that could be an interesting deal. But, I mean, like I said, we could speculate that all day long. Let's move on to the number two pick in the draft. We'll go to the Winnipeg Jets. Chris, you're on the clock.
2: Yeah, I think the Jets, I mean, not only did they, you know, the biggest lottery winners in my mind, uh, even though they didn't get the number one pick, moving up four spots, but, you know, they're in a position, and they will, and I will, draft Patrick Lene, uh, winger, and, uh, you know, most years, uh, I don't know how the, the other guys feel about this, but most years this guy would clearly be the number one pick when they they would be talking about him being the next generational player, and uh, not that people aren't, but obviously because Matthews on by most people's accounts is ranked number one, uh, is getting a little bit more talk. But look, I mean, Linay is six four, two ten. He's he's uh, you know he, he's he's powerful. He's got huge offensive skills. Um, you know, I mean, when you're being compared to. Or saying that, hey, this guy is got the skill set and, the you know, he reminds me of a, a, a Ovechkin. I mean, we're, you're, t- you're talking about you really have something here. So, to me, this is, like uh, Andrew said about the first pick with the Leafs, uh, this is a no-brainer. Winnipeg takes Patrick Lene. It's not uh, it's not even a decision. And we'll watch out for the Jets in the next couple of years. You know, you got Kyle Connor coming probably to the NHL next year. Josh I really Morris, like you Kyle know, Conner. Yeah, you got Josh Morrissey not far away. Ellers is already here. So, uh, and then you have Lanay in the near future. So, uh, watch out for the Jets. and the Just another team of the Western Conference uh, to watch out for.
3: As far, as far as the Jets go, do you think last year was the aberration, or do you think the year before when they uh, – the sea of white return to Winnipeg in the playoffs there, or is it somewhere in the middle?
2: Be somewhere in the middle. I mean, um, you know, obviously Andrew Ladd's production went down a bit. Um, you know, they, they do have a young team. Uh, you know, the play got off a little bit, and obviously the, I mean, look, the division they're in is brutal. That doesn't help things as well. So, um I mean, even you know, even Colorado, uh, you know, even Colorado Winnipeg are not awful. So even though Winnipeg had, didn't have a great record, but uh, I think you know, I, I think they'll be able to bounce back. Landing a player like this is definitely going to cushion the blow. I mean, if you they definitely picked the right year uh, to be off and and wind up with a heck of a prize. So I think there's some really big days ahead for Winnipeg. Um, you know, not to mention their young goalie as well. Um, you know, and, and like I said, I think they, they had guys like Brandon. They even have a, a group of second—what do you call well, second-tier prospects that would get uh, excited about? Hellebuck is what I'm referring to in terms of the net. So, um, you know, maybe not next year. The pro, you know odds are in that Western Conference. You know, they're not a playoff team. Maybe not next year, but after that, look out for them. And it would be scary if they good. added another top talent uh, in next year's draft. So.
3: I'd like to get Mark's take on Patrick. I know he does a lot of pre-draft work here, going into the thing. What's uh, other than Ovechkin? Which, I mean, I hate to model players after superstars. Um, what's what's another right winger in the league that we could compare his game to? Another
1: right winger that we can compare
3: his game to? Well, he's he's what I'm looking at. He's listed as the right winger.
1: Yeah, he's Right-wing primarily shoots, right. Is he both. playing left? He? he plays a lot of left as well, yeah. Um Okay. That's a really good question in terms of, you know, who now you know, yeah, that's gonna obviously be the first one that comes to my mind when it you know, when you talk about a comparison, especially when you're talking about the shot that he has. Um I see I yeah, think Ovechkin he, has
3: probably the best shot in the National Hockey League, that's my opinion.
1: Um Is he right there? I mean, for real? It's close. It, it's a little wow. bit behind him, but it's close. Um in fact, I'll even go as far as saying that I think that Liney is the best player in this draft, and I think that Toronto Ooh. is getting um, a player that's basically right there, but it's more of a positional need. I just think that the overall skills of Liney, though, especially when you consider the shot and the way that he can just, plan kind out of dominate a game, that actually, for me, puts him as the number one player in the draft. Not saying that Toronto's a draft, but just the overall skill set that he brings. I mean, there's Rarely been a guy in the last five years. I don't. I'd say maybe Conor McDavid would be the only guy that I would even put above Lining at this point in terms of overall wow. skill. Now,
3: now I know he has his size. You've probably seen way more than me. Does he play to that size? Because I get worried about you know European players that come in and won't play to their size. Just. Because of over there coming out of the finish, will he play to his physicality level?
1: He will. Yeah, that, that won't be an issue with him at all. Um, you take a look at just the way that he can just flat out dominate a game. Um, he's not. There's something going to be a little bit more complex with him, but it's definitely something that you will see him do. He won't shy away from that at all. You know, given his size. So, so
3: let's move on to number three pick.
1: Mark, you are on the clock with the Columbus Blue Yeah, and, you know, pretty much expected the first two picks to go the way that they did, Matthews first, Lainey second. Um, there's a lot of reports out there that the Blue Jackets aren't sold on fully RV, um, and maybe that's because they're really looking to get a center here. But, you know, if they make this pick... Um, there's no question that they're going to get um, a really good player, and I feel that that is Jesse Um Different from Lining in the sense that I think he plays a more complete game both ends of the ice. Um, he's not quite the scorer Lining is, but I think that he plays a more complete game. And he's also more of a natural right wing, which is what the Blue Jackets you know, they have a need for that. Yes, they have a Cam Atkinson who had a year last year. They have Albert Bjorkstrand who did really well in the Calder Cup playoffs here, and he's going to be possibly in Columbus even as soon as next year. But you get a player in Pooley Garvey who's ready to play in the NHL next year. I don't think Kachuk or Dubois, I think they're still a year away depending on the way they develop. You get an NHL-ready player now who is comparable to Jack Eichel um, in terms of the skill set. You can't pass up a player like that. So the Blue Jackets take RV third.
3: Another big center, another Euro. We're all on the same page here. That just because Austin Matthews is listed as an in- skater because he played in Sweden last year, he is a North American bred player. We all we all agree with that, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay, just just kind of silly looking him up in the European. Skater rankings there. Um, so two two fins off the board and a, and an Arizona kid before the first Canadian gets picked in our mock draft here at the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Um, interesting. I have, so, I,
2: have, I have a quick question.
3: Okay, go ahead.
2: Uh, uh, for Mark, especially since he not only covers the draft, but covers the blue jackets and he hinted at it. Mark, what do you think is a, a realistic... How realistic is it that the Blue Jackets would trade the pick, and what would they have to get back for them to do so?
1: They'd have to get a they'd have to get an NHL-ready top six center at a bare minimum for that to be even be considered at this point. Um, there's a couple reports out there that they got some nice offers, but not enough to sway them off of the pick. Um, some reports too that they might or be interested in like a Clayton Keller or Logan Brown, who are centers, but they're not ready for the NHL next year. They're looking for someone that can play right now. And I, the sense that I'm getting is that they're prepared to go into the season with Boone Jenner, Brandon Dubinsky, and Alexander Wenberg as their one, two, and three center. You know, would they like to improve on that? Sure, but um, it would take an awful lot to pry the number three pick away from. And it would take, like, a uh, not saying that, they're going to get Matt Dufain, but it would take a player of that caliber for them to at least ponder the thought. Hmm.
3: Are they, are they sold on, uh, You know more about them than I do. I know he melted down at the start of the year last year. Are they, would they be interested
1: in one of the goalies? Mm No, he's still a, um, he's their number one goalie and it's not close. They're definitely concerned that they want to keep him healthy um, now, Yarmolkevich recently told me that um, they're going to look at different tactics. You know, having them be like a more like a one A one B situation, maybe with a Jonas Korpasalo as the one B, perhaps so that Bobrovsky doesn't play as many games. But yeah, at this point, you know, unless something completely changes, Bobrovsky is still Columbus's number one goalie. Okay.
3: Well, let's go to. Andrew next at number four. It's uh, odd not to see the others in the number one spot, but here they are picking number four overall. Andrew, you're on the clock, buddy.
2: No pressure, Andrew. Yeah, so... Sorry, go yeah. ahead. No, no pressure. It's only the oh, yeah. Picks in the-
0: uh, well, you know, and and this is sort of... Uh, Mark and I were talking at the combine, and this is going to be where the, the dominoes sort of fall for the rest of the the draft, and um, you know, if the Oilers trade the pick, um, you know, it, obviously the pick will likely be different. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and there's there's a number of, of solid defensemen in the draft, but I have this inkling, I have this inkling that the Oilers, if they keep the pick, are looking to go with Matthew Kitcha. And the reason I say that is because, Look, this this team has drafted the same player over and over and over again. You know, you've got Hall, you've got Eberly, you've got Nugent Hopkins, you've got Yakupov. It, you, similar players with with offensive skills, and and, and really, you know, their defensive minded game isn't all there. When you pick to Chuck, you're getting a a big power forward. This kid is going to grow, and and I got the opportunity to watch him here in London, and I mean this kid is exactly like his dad models his game exactly like, like Keith did in in his heyday. And and he's, he's a rough, tough, you know, customer. He's, he's going to go out there and he's going to get star players off their game. He's going to agitate. He's going to, he's going to throw the body around. And, and I mean, he plays injured. He's passionate. He's he's a guy that wants to be out there on the ice all the time for the big moments. And, you know, it put you put him next to a guy like Connor McDavid on on his wing, and you know, I would, I am, I'd hate to see what these two could do if if you put those two together. So, I, I would say if they keep the pick, they're gonna they're gonna shock a lot of people by not going with a defenseman. I think they acquire a defenseman through trade, but they're gonna go with Matthew Tichock if they keep the pick. I actually like that they do need.
3: Exactly what he brings to the table, just exactly like you just said. Um, I, I like that pick. If you're drafting for, you know, you have you have Connor. I'd um, that, be that'd be pretty. This um, kind of more of a, a Chiarelli player than the the Yakupovs and the guys that have been brought in before too. That's why you start building your identity is with.
0: A player just like a Chuck, so I, I think he'd be a real good fit there. And just Great. add to that, Mark is, is oh, assuming ahead. assuming Cam, Cam Talbot is your your number one, and that's the guy that you're going to go with. And you know, having signed him to the contract that they did, that's your number one for the time being.
1: You know, for you've sure. got
0: some defensive pieces in place. Yes, you need another solid defenseman, top four pairing, but you're, you know you're you're looking at a guy that. You've got arguably one of the best players in the game right now in Connor McDavid, and we saw that with having come back from his injury and still putting up the point production that he had, you've got to build around that now. you've got to, you know' it's, it's like the Leafs were with with Sundin. You can't have a centerman that doesn't have the players to build a, to, to work around him. You can't have a winger to have guys and, and don't have the guys to to work with him like we did with Kessel. So, you know, and, and that's, that's where Edmonton has to look at Conor McDavid and acquire pieces to, to play with him. And if that means that down the road you have to trade a Nugent Hopkins, you have to trade a Yakupov, you have to trade, you know, some of these pieces to get a solid 1-2 defenseman, that's what you do. Um, you yeah, know, if, I if like If you that. don't believe, if you don't honestly believe that levy or Chikrin or Sergachev are going to be, you know, that defenseman that you need, then you've got to go a different direction and find a way of acquiring that defenseman that, that you want to put in place. Uh, I agree. I, I agree with that philosophy a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I like the
3: pick. Um, let me ask, uh, since we touched on it a little bit before, I'm going to go off talking off topic here before I put Chris back on the clock with Vancouver. We're in the top four picks. We've got two kids from Arizona and two kids from Finland off the board. Would that alleviate your concerns that, about the lack of talent to fill NHL rosters um, that we were talking about a little bit when we were mentioning expansion. I think there's more talent available now, uh, the, the the European leagues, and just, just the hockey pool, talent pool in general um, in the last, let's say, 10 to 15 years has matured so much around the world that I think that's a trend that we're going to continue to see. Um, Hopefully that will alleviate some of the, and I, and I, I share that belief a little bit that obviously the more jobs you have, the the wider spread, the talent becomes, but the last three drafts, really, I, there's going to be a lot of really good players coming up, And, and I see that continuing into the future. So anyway, and, and that's just Mark, another,
0: let me, go ahead. Let me just clarify for a second. Um, I when I say that the talent pool is is kind of saturated, what I mean is that there's no question that the talent is out there. The talent for for to to play at the NHL level is out there. And back in in, in Gretzky's day and all that, we saw kids come up at 18 and 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 just stun the league. Um, this this is the problem is that you know you've got players such as Marner, such as Kachuk, that you know, if they're not good enough to make the NHL roster at this point, they don't get sent to an AHL team to develop. They are sent back to junior team where, you know, granted, I understand the wanting for the CHL to to get those players back and, and make the money off of those players because that's your entertainment. That's your, you know, those are, those are the guys that are making sure. the, the bucks. But at what point do you sort of say, well, okay, you know, if Marner if Marner doesn't stick with the NHL club this year, he's not going to the Marlies. He's going back to London where he put up over a hundred points in, in you know and had an unbelievable playoffs. How much more does he have to learn in London? Nothing. And I, I think that's where that's where that's <laughs> where the problem lies is that you know, there is enough talent out there. It's just a matter of getting those players into the NHL and creating and filling out those rosters with the talented players. We don't want to go to a, an NHL game and see, you know, f- these fourth liners go out and maybe score ten goals a game and, and and you know just just throw the body around. We want a guy like Ovechkin who's willing to throw the body around, but can also put up fifty goals. I, I
3: like that thinking. I like that. Well, Chris,
0: that puts you on the clock with
3: Vancouver, sir. Who you got? Sure. Uh, I
2: I just have a real quick question for Andrew. Real quick if Arizona at seven called Edmonton at four and Edmonton sliding from four to seven, uh, can still get, I don't know if they'll get the number one choice defenseman, but can still get one of the big three. What would Arizona have to offer for them to do that?
0: Um, again, I think you're, you're offering at least the seventh, maybe include the 20th. and, and, uh, you know, a relatively young, um, talented prospect. And, okay. uh, you know, with, with maybe a Christian Dvorak, um, you know, and, and with where Arizona is right now in in terms of, you know, they've got the Duke Claire, they've got Domi, they've got Louis Dominguez who played well in net. Um, you know, you got to hold on to a guy like Dvorak and, and, and sit with the seventh pick because this is a deep draft you yeah, get a seventh pick, you're gonna you're gonna get a solid pick, and that's just gonna add to the core that you have coming up uh, through your system right now.
3: I think Arizona's
0: okay. uh, what on hockey
3: futures.
0: They have like the third
3: ranked prospect pool in the entire NHL. So I think I think, I think, there, sitting, yeah. I, think at, I think sitting at seven is a pretty good. Uh, Chris keeps trying to get the Arizona coyotes up higher in this draft, but I think they just sit pretty at number seven and not give up any of their younger pieces to move up. Um, Now, who knows with a 24 year old general manager, who's a analytics guy, um, he he could go off the chart. We don't know what he's going to do in his first draft. So maybe Chris is onto something there. Well,
2: analytics guys usually like a lot of picks. So from that standpoint, uh, yeah, uh, so maybe that they thing, trade so down. That, maybe
3: maybe he takes the seventh you know. and twentieth and trades for five third rounders. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what he's going to do? Anyway, let's get uh, let's get Vancouver in there at the number five, Chris.
2: Okay, well, the Canucks. You know, to me, and I hope uh, Canuck Nation doesn't kill me for saying this, but in studying all the teams, when I look at a team's NHL roster of building blocks and, and uh, you know, the core players that they have and the age and the pipeline. I think the, the Canucks have the toughest uh, road road uh, to haul, if you will, going forward. And uh, so that's the pain part, as the quote, Mr. Shanahan. But the good news is hope is on its way, and it starts with this pick, and that is going to be Pierre Dubois. And, you know, to me, this guy is just a complete player. I mean, he scores. He, he creates for his teammate. Um, you know, he can play with an edge. Uh, he's great with, you know, puck control, great with the stick handle. Like I said, he's a two-way player. It just, um, you know, when you, you add it all up, uh, you know, he's, good, he's a center. He takes three, 200 pounds already. So you know he's probably not going to be ready for the NHL as Andrew said before next year, but you know very few kids are go from the draft to the NHL. That's really unfair to, to expect that from out of really anyone. It's really the rare uh, kid who can do that. Um, to me, uh, while there's a lot of good choices on the board, uh, this is the pick for Vancouver uh, for me.
3: Now, you did write an article about Vancouver. Um, earlier in the season, how they've got a lot of pieces that they need to fill going forward. They may be in one of the worst positions um, in the National Hockey League. Is this uh, a best player available pick, or is this the pick that you think is going to sit and need two or three de- two or three years down the road?
2: Well, I, I I think it's both. I think he's the best player on the board at this point. And, I mean, to me, when I look at their team, uh, it's a short list of, you know, uh, uh, as I like to call, who's going to, you know, when you're rebuilding, who's going to be on the bus when we get this thing turned around? Who currently do I have who's going to be on the bus? And, uh, you know, that's a short that's a short list, unfortunately, right now. Um, and, unfortunately for them, they have a number of older veterans in their 30s, and it seems like all of them have no movement clauses. So... Uh, you know maybe that can change as their contracts wind down and uh, but I, I don't know if they can or can and they can get some assets for them but uh no, I, I really do I, I mean I love the players coming up but uh, to me this is uh this is a no brainer uh, if 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 Andrew went a different way at number four without giving anyway state secret and let's say hypothetically took a defenseman uh, which i wasn't sure if he was going to do um, uh then and then I think it's you a really tough call on who to take between Chuck and Dubois, but uh, yeah, to me, this is a no-brainer.
3: Guys, you got anything to add to that pick?
0: You know, I was just going to say, I think uh, I think if Edmonton either moves or or goes with a defenseman at four, I, I have to. I tend to agree. I think I think Vancouver is really eyeing to Chuck as well.
1: Yep, I third that comment. Yeah, no, no arguments here whatsoever with that.
3: All right, all right. Well, that puts Shiger. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm gonna go with Shiger. Does that work for you? Because I'm getting confused with all the mark, all the mark comments. Um, that puts that him on the clock with Calgary. <laughs> Got a nickname, everybody.
1: There you go, and that can't mistake that nickname at all. So, all right. <laughs> With, um, the draft is pretty much gone as I thought that it would. I totally agree with the Kachuk comments and I, you know, I still think Edmonton could take a defenseman, but if they don't, it would be with Kachuk and then Dubois the next available best player after that. So Calgary's got any of the big three defensemen there. And they also have, um, a couple of really solid, um, offensive players out there. Um, but I think they need, and I think they need to go offense. I think they need to get an, a, a winger who can score, who can, has the upside to be elite. And then, as a little cherry on top, this particular player is from Calgary, so I think it's very appropriate. Um, the Calgary Plains are proud to select Alexander Nylander with the sixth pick.
3: I like that pick.
1: Hmm.
3: Silence in Calgary. No, 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 no cheers from the Calgary <laughs> faithful. Man, well, Trickets I
2: I, I, the, I, yeah, N- I have a question. I have, a, I have a question for uh, Mark Sheet. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. So, Mark, I, when I was preparing for this, and you were at six, I said, "Wow, you know, if this, if the top five goes the way I thought it would, which it did, I said, this is a, this is not an easy pick. You could make a, you could make a case for." I mean,
1: to me, uh,
2: you know, four players uh, in this
1: spot, could you not? Oh, very much so. If any of the three top defensemen on that board, um, Nylander on the board, you can even make a case for Logan Brown or Keller if you're looking for a center there. So, yeah, I'd even say he goes even beyond four. But in my mind, in that spot, he's the best available player. And that, that was the thought that I had, the way that the this broke down so far.
3: All right, all right. Well, now, uh, since since we haven't been able to move the Coyotes pick yet at number seven, we'll bring Andrew in and put him on the clock, and the Arizona Coyotes are going to retain their number seven selection. And, Andrew, who are they going to take?
0: I was going to say, uh, I think Chris is just trying to get me to trade all my picks between themselves, so I'm getting all confused over here. <laughs> Uh but no I I think um I think Arizona will look at taking I like Tyson Jost for Arizona. Tyson Jost. Wow. Now he's he's a center, he's a right wing. So he's a multi-positional guy. He can play both both sides. Um he's coming off coming off a season where he scored 104 points in in just 48 games. So um you know he he's got the the ability to to play on the power play and uh he's a smaller guy um but as we saw last season uh you know small doesn't really affect the Arizona Coyotes and you know maybe he can learn something from Max Domi at the NHL level and and uh you know he's got he's got great hands and he's got the ability to uh to really help that team um you know and like I said if if he's a multi-positional guy like that um, look for him to to be able to play the wing for for a guy like Christian Dvorak down down the road, and um, yeah, I, he's got the speed. He's got uh, he, he's a he's a you know he's a determined little guy to uh, to get out there, and, and and he's I think he could uh, really help that uh, Arizona club. Going going down down the list, he is.
3: I'm looking now. He f- finished up the 16th ranked. North American skater in the drafts. This, this seems like you're looking at this as, as a, a, a fit or a need to slot him in more than the best player available. I would. I was thinking uh, they have a pretty good stable of young defensemen coming
0: up, and with the,
3: the defensemen still on the board, there, I was thinking you might go defense. Interesting pick. It was-
0: there, there was two other guys i was i was really looking at and that was uh clayton keller another center um and, and jake bean and, and the reason i haven't gone with chikrin or or Ulevi is not because i don't think they're they're solid picks um i think jake bean's done a done an amazing job to to get himself up up the draft rankings um he's a big 6 foot 1 defenseman and and definitely a guy that uh i think people People are going to be surprised with where he goes in the first round, but uh, no, I you know I have to go with with a guy that uh, I think adds more to the talent pool, and I, I mean Arizona is looking for a puck moving defenseman, so you know that's always a possibility. But again, that's something that is available via trade, and I think I think Arizona's got pieces; they have picks, um, and you know again, it's going to be it's going to come down to to, to where this new young GM, the statistical analysis uh, comes into play, and, and uh, what they do to to uh, you know develop that team through his eyes as well. No, for sure. I you know the old saying,
3: go in with your your ears open and your mouth shut, that, and that's putting it a little blunt, but hopefully, uh, I don't know. Hopefully, he takes. An open ear to his scouting department. Let's just say that.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. I had a, I had Tyson Jones number seven on my board, and real quick to the panel, how how bright does the future look in, in Arizona? I mean, we mentioned it before. I mean, they already have Duclair and Domi, we Dvorak and Dylan Strom on the way, and then in this scenario, adding a Tyson Jones. I mean, how much fun and how uh, how scary is that? Uh, is that top six going
0: to look for the teams in the West. Should we start
2: calling them Quebec or,
0: or, or Seattle soon? Or do you you
1: still want to
3: call
0: them Arizona? I was going to say the future looks really bright
3: with that lease expiring at the end of next season (laughs) (laughs) with a brand new building waiting in Quebec. I was going to go there, but uh, no, you know what I think their biggest problem is, is Mike Smith and the contract that they have that's really not going to let them move him for a while. I think, um, his place really dropped off since the 2012 Western Conference Championship run or Western Conference final run. Um, and I think that goaltending is, is going to be their issue here if they can't move Mike Smith out of there. Um, but all the pieces that they have coming up, I, there was another – there's another podcast here in town, Sinbad, uh, Vegas, and they – I was talking to the Ken over there, and – one of the comments that Mr. Foley made, well, you know what? I'm not going to go there. Let's move on past that. <laughs> probably shouldn't Probably shouldn't go there right at this juncture in time. Let me get an official announcement before I run my mouth.
2: Chris, the Buffalo Sabres are on the clock. Well, I got to tell you, if this is the scenario that plays out ne- this a week from today in, uh, in Buffalo, Tim Murray is going to be doing the Irish jig because, you know, uh, obviously, you know, they got Ryan O'Reilly, they got Eichel, they got Reinhardt. Uh, I mean, obviously, they have, uh, you know, Roots and line and Bogosian on the on the back end. I'd like to see what they can get out of Robert Leonard in between the pipes. So he can stay healthy. Most of their guys knocking on the door are more of the forward prospects, but they have a couple of kids to watch out for in the blue line. But. Only uh Julian being there, uh, that is the pick. You know, uh to me he's the best defenseman in this draft. Um, you know, good size, six two, one eighty three, great shot. He's 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 great on both ends of the special teams, power play, penalty kill. Uh, you know, he he's a good shot, great passer. He's he's good in his own his own end. I mean look, at the end of the day, if this kid is, you know, doesn't hit his ceiling, but is a really good player, you got a top four defenseman. If he hits his ceiling, you got a a, a future number one defenseman here. So, Julian Drovein, jo- jo- if I butchered his name, I'm sorry, uh, to Buffalo at number eight. I like it. I like it, guys.
3: You want to weigh in on that pick?
0: I think it's a great pick, and uh, you know, uh, Mark and I were at the combine again, and and uh, you know, that's a confident kid. He's got a lot, uh, he's got a lot of confidence, and and it's not it's not cockiness. It's it's coming in with a little bit of swagger, and uh, you know, I think that's gonna be that's gonna be huge for them. Um, so I, I I like the pick. I think it's a great pick. Um, again, I think him and him and Chickren are are have their their own. Uh, um, they have their own skill sets, but uh, you know, Joe Levy's again. Seeing him in London, he's he's a guy that's really going to put up a lot of um, a lot of talent for that that Buffalo Sabres team, and I, I think it's a great pick, Chris. and I
1: think that um, Joe Levy is the safest of the three defensemen, so I think that's a very solid pick, no matter what. I think that Sergishev and, and Chikrin are the higher upside plays when you look at just their overall skill set, and I will even go as far as saying that Chikram is the most um, complete defenseman in this draft. And if you guys can recall, before the Finns made their way to the top, Chikrin was discussed along kind of on a tier below Matthews near the top of the draft. What happened? Yep. And the, the sense that I'm getting is that he was adjusting his game to be more ready for the pros. I mean, Chickren can play a third; can play 30 minutes a night. He can play both ends of the ice. He's already got the size. I, I don't understand why everyone's so down on him all of a sudden. Like he was up at the, the top and now he could easily fall out of the top 10, especially with the way this mock draft is going. But I wanted to kind of throw that at you guys. Like what what is your sense of why he's falling and why Joe Levy, Sergeyev or whoever it is um, tend to be looked at more favorably? Well, Mark, I, I tend
0: to agree with you. And, and I'm, again, that's what I meant by they each have their own little skill set. is that you know, he's still a talented defenseman and he, and part of me believes that as you mentioned, he's just trying to develop his game to become a pro. Um and you know, some of that might be taking away from what what scouts were seeing in the first place when he when he was ranked so high. And and maybe that's that's what it is. But I, I don't think if if he drops past the top the top ten, I think I think somebody's getting a steal for sure because I think Chikrin's gonna be a, a big solid you know, uh, NHL defenseman. And and I'm like you, I, I'm a little shocked that
2: he's fallen as far as he has in terms of the the overall rankings.
1: One thing I well, did uh,
2: hear in, in, in a couple of places about Chikrin, and I'm not saying, you know, this is gospel or anything. Everyone has their own opinions. I, I don't know if you guys follow him, but I'm a huge fan. Just to give him a shout-out, we've had him on as a guest, of Russ Cohen of Sportsology. And I was on a show with him the other night, and when talking about Chikrin, he was saying, he likes him a lot, but he feels like he's kind of reached the ceiling. It, like, uh, Actually, Mark, Mark uh, he was saying that he felt like you're going to get, uh, for the next 10 years, top four defensemen for sure, but the other guys have higher ceilings. So maybe that's why maybe that perception is out there. And, you know, I'm not saying rightly or wrongly and why he's, you know, like you said, at the beginning, going back uh, before the holidays, before the uh, – Winter holidays, uh, Chikwura was, you know, a battle for between three and four, and uh, you know, here we are in the first eight picks, and he's still on the board.
1: Yeah, it, it really is stunning, and I know, a lot of scouts obviously look for different things. I think it's a very fascinating discussion. It always seems like that there's one or two prospects that 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 happens to where they just fall for whatever reason, and then they become a steal for somebody and. I've seen oh, enough well, in certain...
2: Well, that happened. Uh, not to... maybe I'm out of bounds to say this, but uh, didn't that happen last year with Matthew Barzell going to six, going all the way to sixteen?
1: I was going to say that. You're That's a good right. example. Like that, that was injury-related, I think, a little bit there. Or yes, even, it was. Um, so yeah, it's the same kind of thing. Where just they—they they find something and then it just helps them flip down. Um, is this well, I'm looking it at what happens
3: I'm looking at the final uh North American skater ranking and his midterm rank was the 5th and his final ranking was the 5th so yeah. may- maybe yeah. it's more perception than it is uh anything else and then I'm looking also at 62 um he's only listed at 182 when you guys saw him at the combine there did he appear oh, like he is he 214
1: yeah, no, he's up. He's up over two hundred pounds. Yeah,
3: he's a big boy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hmm. He's two fourteen. He listed. He's listed at six two one eighty two at the NHL dot
1: com site, but that is definitely not correct. <laughs> okay, that's what I wanted to
3: see on the eye test. Six two one eighty two. You're needing some cheeseburgers, but uh, if he's if he's six two 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 plus, that's that's good size. I was going to say at one eighty two. Maybe that's one of the reason um, his perception was was dropping a little bit. But uh, I, have a quick, okay. I have one
2: last. I have one last quick question for the panel in terms of the three the big three defensemen. Is there a clear cut number one of those three, or is it you know you know I like this about this guy, this about that guy, this about this guy, and you know it's too early to tell.
1: If you're asking me, there is. It's Chikrin because I think he has the most complete package of the three. Like, he can do more overall than the other guys, and I'm not saying that the other guys can't do anything. They're fantastic players, and they're all projected to be top-four defensemen. I just think that Chikrin can play the defensive end just as well as contribute on the offensive end. I just feel like that he has the – highest upside to be a franchise defenseman. I even consider him to be even better than where Aaron Ekblad was when he got drafted. Wow. Um, it, it's that good. It, everything that I've seen in his game really projects well to the next level where, um, yeah, I, I think to me it's clear I, I might be in the minority there, but that's, you know, that's what I think. Nice. Let's get
3: uh... – Let's get the Canadians on the clock here
1: at number nine. Mark, that's you, buddy. Okay. Well, Tyson Jost was a very interesting pick. Um, uh-huh. Doesn't change who it doesn't change who I think the Canadians are going to take here. Um, I think they look forward the whole time. Um, For sure. So to me, it really comes down to Clayton Keller versus Logan Brown, and in this case, um, I think Montreal will would be ecstatic to take a guy who's six foot six who's probably not done growing yet, um, and can play center um, and is in one of the best teams in all of the CHL when it comes to the development of players um, with Windsor, and he's going to play in the Memorial Cup next year as the host team. So they're jumping for joy, and they're going to take big six foot six Logan Brown um, at number nine.
3: I like that. I don't like that a lot. Chris?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, his father was Jeff Brown. I mean, the guy, you know, you think six foot six, but he's he's a great skater from, you know, know, he's got skating vision. Uh, I guess, Mark, my question is, um, uh, some people feel, and these are people very high on Logan Brown, but he might need just a little bit more time than a few of the other guys in the top uh, in the top ten, Do you kind of agree with that. I mean, I don't. I'm not talking about three four years, but you know, maybe that extra year or so.
1: He needs the year. There's no doubt about that. Um, I mean, obviously, teams love the size, teams love the upside, but he needs a little bit of work on his skating, needs a little bit of work, work on some of the footwork and some of the mechanics. Um, seeing him a few times this year when Windsor played in Erie, you got to you know, kind of see firsthand. You yeah. so know, there's. Definitely a lot to like about him. But, yeah, the the extra year here and then being able to play all the way up and through to the Memorial Cup and to be able to get those extra games in to refine his game, that's going to be perfect for him. Yeah, don't expect him in the NHL next year. I I think one year and then perhaps after that you can um, see him in NHL arenas. Well, just going on six-foot-six
3: centerman, um, would you say – offensively, skill-wise, he has a higher upside than Brian Boyle?
1: Ooh, I, I would say slightly yes. Yes, I do. I think that just a little bit of work with the mechanics on the offensive end. But he, he's got a good shot. Um, he sees the ice very well as an effective passer. Um, he's not a one-trick pony by any stretch. He just has to... Get a little bit refined, but yeah, the upside's definitely there and a little bit better than Boyle in my mind.
2: Can he be a better version? And this is going back a little bit in the day, not too much. A better version than and a better and a little bit bigger version than Keith
1: Premium? <sighs> Interesting. Yeah, <you're> <laughs> um,
2: former number three
1: overall pick. Um He certainly can. Premium was the center, really, right? I believe so, yes. Yeah. And he definitely has the upside to get there. Will he get there is the question. I, right. I think that um, in I, this is the question that kind, kind of comes up a little bit with him too is, you know, who who is he playing with? Who are his line mates? And um, is, do they make him better, or is he the kind of player that makes everybody else better? And, and I think this year will really tell a lot about, what kind of a player he's going to be. So I'm still a little bit undecided about how high he can get, but the potential is certainly there. And, you know, in comparison to Primo, eh, too early for me to say. I need to see a little bit more before I could say, you know, where I think he'd end up.
3: Okay. Just looking at the the midterm rankings to where he is now, Uh, midterm 14, final rank number seven overall. So he's, from what I'm looking at just real quick, He's the 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 guy from the midterm to the final rankings on the North American side who's jumped the highest. Uh actually tied with Pierre Dubois. He was midterm seven, final rank number one among North American skaters. So this is uh he's a riser. And let's move on to our next pick, if if everybody's done with Mr. Brown there. We have Colorado Avalanche. Andrew, you're on the clock.
0: Well, we said if you didn't go in the top 10, it'd be kind of a shocking (laughs) thing for the draft, but uh, Colorado would be pleased to select Jacob Chikrin at number 10. There you go.
3: And I think uh, at
0: this point, yeah, I think at this point, you're talking about, um, you know, they've they've got enough talent up front, and I think if they do end up trading the um you know there there's there's somebody that you can move for possibly two more you know pieces up up front but you know if rumors are true and and we all know joe saka came out and and denied the rumors but if if rumors do have any significance here and they do end up moving barry Jacob Chir- Chirkin, with his size and his his ability, and and I do believe he's going to be a solid NHL defenseman. Uh, I I think he'll be a top pairing guy. He's a guy that can fill in the spot. Or if they don't move Barry, there's a guy that to play right alongside with him. Uh, you know, on the power play and, and stuff like that. I think he's he's a guy that uh, you know he's he's going to be a stable defenseman. Um, and and while he has fallen for whatever reason, he's a guy that uh, you know nephew of uh, Luke Richardson. So there's there's a guy that uh, you know he's he's got the NHL caliber mindset and he's got the hockey IQ as well.
2: He'd be a perfect fit for Colorado for what they need.
3: Absolutely. One thing I'm I'm gonna go to his uh, little bio here. Uh, might be questionable, his go to karaoke song is "Call Me Maybe" by Carly Ray Jess might be a little Hold on, Mark.
0: that's not that's not your go to song. I thought it was all of them no
3: take
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> excuse
3: me, excuse me no that uh, that's questionable right there, questionable
1: if they were doing the Wonderlick
3: test and that came up, I don't know how that would score. <laughs> No
1: wonder he dropped in the draft rankings, right?
3: Uh, Yeah, I knew knew there
1: was a reason. I knew there was a reason. But no, uh, highest
3: ranked North American defenseman on the board, I think. um, With what he does, I think he fits in with Patrick Watt system pretty good. So I like that pick for Colorado. Moving on for number eleven. the Devils, you're on
2: the you're on the clock. Well, the Devils and when we did our mock show last year didn't listen to me and I they should have at all when they should have drafted Ivan Provolov. Uh, so this year they better listen to me. If this plays out uh at at number eleven and I don't know how the Devils, even though they didn't make the playoffs, have the year they had last year. I know I I'm a huge Corey Schneider guy, obviously he's one of the best goalies in the league. Yeah, and obviously Kyle Palmieri and Adam Henrique each had terrific seasons. I mean, it's pretty scary when you have two. I think they had two 30 goal scorers, and they were last in the league in goals per game around, I don't know, a little under 2.2 goals per game. Uh, that's pretty hard to do. Um, but uh, to me, with Clayton Keller on the board here, this is the this is the kind of kid. Uh, the Dippers need. I know the size right now isn't the greatest, five ten around one seventy, but you know, you know maybe. But again, in terms of the forward position, uh, you know he'll put some weight on for sure. But in terms of the forward position, the way the game's played now, that's fine. Five ten is fine. I mean, heck, I watched Conacher being all over the place, uh, even though he's a different kind of player, being a pest, and he's listed at five eight, which probably means he's closer to five seven than five eight. But I mean, Clayton Keller, you know, he plays big. He's got, you know, uh, you know, great again, another great skill. You're talking about a top six forward, uh, at least, and maybe, maybe he uh, hit a home run and becomes a first line forward. Uh, you know, uh, very, I uh, well, not even I wouldn't say accurate. They call him a marksman in terms of his shot. Um, you know, the reality is, if he was a couple inches taller and, you know, 15 pounds more on him, or 20 pounds more on him, he'd be, uh, a guy that might be going as high as, you know, six or seven instead of trying to knock on the door of the top 10. Uh, but Clayton Keller to the devils and the devils would be thrilled to have this kind of kid, uh, to the organization.
3: No, I agree. I agree. I'm looking him up right now. Uh, one one stat that jumps out, he had 107 points in just 62 games in the U.S. Under-18 team. Only one player has scored more in a campaign, and that is our number one pick, Austin Matthews. So the skill is definitely there. Just, I guess, you're saying that size is, isn't going to be an issue for him because he plays bigger than he is? Um, yeah, you, yeah you, got can anything grow. Else? you
1: can still grow a
2: little Still put on a little bit of weight um, I mean, look In a perfect world, would you like the player to be You know, six one, six two, 6'2 and, Yeah, sure But, uh, you know, that doesn't mean There are plenty of guys uh, That doesn't mean, especially with the way uh, The game is played now versus the number of years ago uh, A guy like this uh, If he's a little bit smaller And weighs a little bit less That he still can't be a top-line player
3: I'm not convinced the games that far along where a 5'10" 170 guy if he stays where he is is a number 1 center in the league. I think Ooh, I think he need to get up about 6'1" 205, but he could be a solid number 2 center I would think there,
1: right?
2: Well, maybe we get to 5'11" and change and
1: you know, 185. How's that? And we haven't even gotten to, Alex to bring it at all five foot seven. So Keller's really big compared to him, for sure. Tyler <laughs> right. Johnson too, right? Yeah, and no, Nylander, Nylander, in
3: in Toronto too is a smaller guy. Yep. But with that's him that's on the great board pick. and his offensive upside, that's exactly what New Jersey needs is is offense because like we we were doing a show on the. On the Number nine, I think even for a couple of days, they were in the number eight spot in front of Boston there. And with Schneider uh, having the season that he was, uh, Dana Laney's a professional handicapper here in town. He, he put New Jersey in as their dark horse just because of Schneider, who has the ability to just steal games. They were at 75 to 1 to win the Stanley Cup with like three weeks left in the season and they were holding down a playoff spot when he, when he made that call. So if they could just put a little more offensive on New Jersey could be tough for a while. So that, I like that pick. I like that pick. That takes us to
1: Scheiger with the Ottawa Senators. And now they have an interesting decision in my mind because of the way that this draft is following. Cause Shev is still there, and so is Jake Bean, and that's a really tough call. Um, I originally had Jake Bean going in the spot, but because Shev fell to the spot, he's the pick. OHL defenseman of the year, can score the puck, um, weighed in over 220 pounds at the combine, so he has a size not afraid to play like that. Projects as a top defenseman. I, I think that they need to be able to build that blue line up to get somebody to play along with an Eric Carlson. So no matter who they go with in that spot, it's going to be good, whether it be Bean or Sergeyev. But with Sergeyev falling, he's one of the top three. That's who the Senators go. I like that. Chris, you got anything for that? Uh,
2: no. I, uh, I, I am, because based on what both Andrew and Mark have kind of hinted at with Jake Bean, along the way I it has, it has not raised my outbows 'cause on I, I did a board of uh for this for the top twenty players and he's in my board but uh they they have him ranked a little bit higher than I do but uh um uh, but yeah I think Ottawa would uh uh have to take uh Sergeyev, uh again the size two way ability. Um I I think that's definitely definitely the pick. It should be an interesting off season for Ottawa as well. Oh, no
1: question sure. about that. Um, for sure. <laughs> and, and real quick about Bean, um, since we're on that topic about, you know, being able to choose a defenseman, um, I just thought it was really interesting that the Columbus Blue Jackets invited Bean to Ohio for further interviews. So I think it gives you a sense that there are some teams out there that really think that he's underrated. I mean, he was included with Coley, and with Chuck and with Keller and with Brown and with Dubois. They were invited there, but so was Bean's. I think it gives you a sense that teams are going to definitely look around that top-ten area because he can move the puck. And in this day and age in the NHL, you need defensemen who can move the puck, who can help your power play, who can score goals. And Bean is that kind of player. So it'll be really interesting to see where he does end up going in that spot.
0: Yeah, Mark, the other thing, too, is uh, having said that, there's there's a guy that Arizona will definitely take a look at at number seven as well. If not and if he falls to number 20, you can almost guarantee that I think Arizona is going to be interested in a guy like Jake Bean. Definitely. Well, with
1: Carolina
0: on deck, let's see if Mr. Bean is off the board. Unfortunately, Carolina, with Hannafin going to them last season, they will not be looking at Mr. Jake Bean instead. They will, going, they will be going with center Michael McLeod. 6'2", 185, some room to grow. Um, with the absence of, of Eric Stahl now, um, I mean, we don't know if he'll he'll sign back there this offseason or not, but um, that, that's a guy that uh, could definitely, you know, fit, slot in down the, down the middle uh, in a, within a couple years and has the ability to you know play a big role with uh with carolina and or or quebec whatever you want to call them um but uh no this this guy uh, definitely should be considered uh at number 13 for carolina um yeah he's 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 not as big as a guy like logan brown uh who definitely would be somebody that carolina would look at as well but um he's 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 a he's a speedy guy um Needs to work on his hands a little bit, but uh, definitely a guy that Carolina should look at at number thirteen.
3: Now, looking looking at him, maybe you guys know uh, he he was midterm ranked at six, and his final ranking was dropping by as many points as Mister Brown rose seven spots on the ranking list. Is there any is there any reason why you guys see him falling down that far in the rankings?
0: No, I think uh, in some ways, we, I mean, we look at we look at some of these players who have dropped, and and part of it isn't specifically them. Sometimes it's it's guys like Logan Brown playing themselves up the draft rankings as well, and I think that's right. all that is for for McLeod. I think um, you know he had a, he had a relatively good season in Mississauga, um, you know, sixty-one points in in fifty-seven games, so definitely not uh, unimpressive. Um, I, again, I think I don't think he did anything wrong to fall down. I, I honestly believe it's it's just a guy like Logan Brown and, and other players, uh, you know, were playing their way into that that top ten.
3: I hear you. I hear you.
1: All right. Well, we're back.
3: Here. Um, Bruins picking fourteenth. They they. This is right in the middle of where they had their three picks last year and. I don't think, I don't think uh, the consensus was that they did everything they could have done with those three picks. Um, what do you think, Chris? Boston Bruins.
2: Well, I I guess I I was gonna go one or two ways here, and they're both uh, both because I thought one would definitely still be on the board, and they're both on the board. And based on the love. Uh, and I'm not not knocking it, but the love that Mark and Andrew have given Jake Dean, I'm going to get some raised eyebrows here. But, uh, uh, you know, the Bruins, uh, they need help on the blue line, in my opinion. Obviously, uh, Chara, uh, you know, they're getting getting old on Seidenberg. uh, Seidenberg. They're getting old uh, back there. They did drive Zaborov in the first round and Carlo in the second round last year. Uh, you know, they're moving along. Um, you know, when. And so if I was uh, Don Sweeney and someone said, you know, we need an all-around defenseman, you know, someone we can play strong in our end, also be good in, in the other end, but really strong, it uh, has got size, um, you know, where are we going to find a guy like that? Well, you know, there's a kid down the street at BU, you know, who's, uh, who fits the bill. And his game, you know, should translate pretty seamlessly to the NHL. And, you know, this might be a slight bias pick because I am in Long Island, New York, and uh, this kid uh, grew up about 15 minutes from where I am. So just for uh, just to put that out there. But uh, I like Charlie McAvoy going to the Boston Bruins at, at number 14.
3: McAvoy, another homer pick. He did this last year, too, I think.
0: <laughs> Chris, I was waiting for his name to come up.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, hey, look, I hope I'm wrong, because I would love to see Charlie McAvoy fall to number 19. Uh, uh, I don't know what Garth uh, Snow would do with the Islanders. I, I'm not saying he would automatically pick him if he was still on the board. And people have said to me, uh, in terms of for the Islanders, saying, well, you want McAvoy, you know, it's sentimental. And young wrong. he's ranked right around there. But shouldn't the Islanders look at this or to this guy or that guy? And, and I said, you know, the last time I, I was accused of being sentimental about an Islander pick heading into a draft was this kid named uh, Parisi, Zach Parisi, because his father played for the Islanders. And the Islanders took, uh, well, Robert Nielsen. And if for those listening don't remember Robert Nielsen, there is a good reason for that. <laughs> uh, it, his claim to fame was uh, he was traded to the Oilers as part of the deal for, uh, oh, God, why is his name escaping me? Mr. Mr. Uh, Captain Oiler. Um, help me out here. Um,
3: Ryan Smith.
2: Brian Smith, thank you. So any, anyway, uh, and that was a Mike Millberry special, by the way. So uh, I, I really do feel that his
3: ten-year window is closed now. His ten-year window is closed, according <laughs> so, to, according to <laughs> Buffalo Kid, the ten-year curse is lifted, and obviously right, so... that did come true, and they did advance in the playoffs this year. I was talking with him the other day about that, and uh, we had a real good laugh at that expense there.
2: But uh, I really do feel that everything that McAvoy brings is exactly what Boston needs. Obviously, to make a very strong argument for Jake Dean, he has much better offensive uh, impact uh, but not that Mcckleboy's all thumbs or anything like that far from it but uh uh I get the sense that uh both of our guests, mark and Andrew would probably take Jake Bean here but you know uh i that's I'm gonna go with uh Mr McElroy. I have no issue with oh, that
1: is- then, at all um yeah, he has definitely got a little bit more of an all-around game, I think, and you know, being right down the road from where the Blue Bruins play certainly could have an impact there. I could totally see this playing out at the draft.
0: Yeah, I I, I have no argument here either. Right. Well, okay. when, when we look at it, we have
3: uh, a little run on defensemen going here uh, for the last seven picks, and as we move on to the last pick in our in our mock draft here with the Minnesota Wild, I'm wondering if Mark is going to be looking offense for the Minnesota
1: Wild year on the clock. What a wild concept that is. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the answer here is yes. We are definitely looking at offense for the Minnesota Wild. They can use any and all forms of offense, to be perfectly honest. And, They especially need an impact winger, I I feel. They need someone to be able to play with Preezy, someone who can finish, someone who's aggressive, someone who can drive the net, someone who plays fearless. The player that I just described is Clayton Keller's teammate on the U.S. national team, and I think would be a phenomenal fit, would be a fan favorite in Minnesota, if he can get his emotions in check a little bit. Because that's the one thing about his game is that – will flare up, and he can sometimes lose control and let emotions get the best of him. But it, that's very correctable. The skills that this guy brings and the fearlessness that he plays with is going to be a very welcome sight in Minnesota. With that in mind, they are very happy to select Keith Bellows with the 15th pick. I like that pick there.
3: I like that pick it's on a lot. Brian,
2: Brian Bellows who played for the North Stars, right?
3: I believe that is correct. Yes, sir. So that's even that's even better. Seems like a seems like a pretty good fit. Seems like a pretty good fit. Do they? Uh... I'm trying to look something up here right now. I'm sure you're on board with that pick, right?
2: Yeah, it's funny when he said that, and he, uh, when Mark said temper his emotions, I thought he was going with Max Jones.
1: Because he about
2: has her. kind of, he kind of has the same, you know, same kind of pedigree
1: a bit, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Jones missed was suspended twelve games in the OHL playoffs for um, yeah. some of his actions. So yeah, very much the same kind of um, player, and definitely thought about him in that spot. Um this, this Bellos though, just the way that he plays the game. He's a left wing. He can. He's a really good passer, he got an underestimated shot. I think that just he's got a little bit more to bring to the table than Jones in my mind. That's why I went with him there. What is show to
3: do with van
1: with Vanek are they
3: going use a buy, thomas Vanek are they going to use a buyout on him?
1: wouldn't surprise me. That's why it said who because the I, I knew that's what you said, but not really much for me to, you know, say. But it's very possible. Will they do it? I don't know, but it wouldn't be surprising. He only has one, only has
2: one year to go on his, uh, on his deal, so maybe you oh, Is it, that right? right? Yeah, I yeah, mean, maybe you let yeah, yeah, I don't ride think. Yeah, ride the horse. I, think it's, I think it's seven million, but depending upon how they what they plan to do this off season, if they're set. You know, maybe you just because if they buy them out, uh, you know, obviously uh, I don't have the cap calculator in front of buy out calculator in front of me, but then it will be not just next year, but you know, a couple of years after that, I believe.
3: Right, right. Uh,
2: so would it, would it be yeah. the next two at three and a
1: half, right? Oh, well, two thirds of I'd that. Be... So yeah. yeah, you
2: take
1: what seven, then it'd be like I'll do the math just under five and then over two years. So it would be like two points something for those two yeah. years.
2: Right. Those little, and, and I know they're kind of cap-strapped a bit. I know they'll, uh, you know, uh, so that might be a consideration if they're eyeing someone in a free agency and they need to free up space then uh, or be via trade. But uh, if not, you know, just get it done and, and then you can just move on. Right. Yep.
1: I now I have, a, I have a
2: question. I, I, I have a question for the panel as We finished up uh, the, our, the mock draft. Now, if you now, other than Jake Dean, because I know how you guys feel about uh, Jake Dean, so give me Still somebody else. Board. Each each one of you will uh, have uh, Marco first, and then Andrew. If uh, in terms of if you were GM, in terms of teams through 16, let's say
1: through 20, so
2: that's five spots, right? If I do my math right. Who would you be most excited about that is still on the board? And you're like, wow, I have a chance at this guy. I, you know, I, I'm I'm thrilled he's still on the board.
1: Luke Coonan,
2: and remember, oh that Mark,
1: name. Mark, <laughs> yeah. I was going with
2: I was
0: going with Luke Coonan.
1: <laughs> oh, great minds, right? Yeah, yeah. I was
2: thinking the same. I, I was thinking the same thing. In fact, on my draft board, I had him uh, in the top 15.
1: Oh, I do too. Yeah, I, I have see. him near my top, just outside my top ten.
0: Yeah, I my last pick there, Michael McLeod. I was I was debating between him and Luke Coonan because I know Kuehnemann has a lot of a lot of fans in terms of, of guys looking to 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 take him in the top fifteen. So, <clears throat> how about yeah.
3: hey Chris? Yeah. Hey, hey Chris, I got somewhere I gotta be in forty-five minutes. Uh, okay. You want to go ahead and close the show out for me and let me take off here?
2: Okay, okay.
3: Boy, thanks for coming in. Andrew, Mark, I really appreciate it. You guys brought a lot to the show. Being at the Combine, you guys uh, had some pretty good insights that we weren't otherwise going to be able to get on the show. Mark also filling in at the last minute for Matt Pryor, who's working on a a pretty good project that he didn't have time to get with. So, Mark, I appreciate you coming on on short notice. You definitely didn't show. It's like taking a fight on short notice and uh, knocking it out. Uh, you, you came strong, buddy Appreciate you coming in and I do no. have to take off. But uh Chris, make sure you make sure you get out their Twitter handlers and their and their hockey writer associations and all that good stuff, buddy.
2: I gotta run. Will too. All right, buddy.
3: Okay, I am um, out. Thanks
2: again, Glenn. See you, Mark. All right, so just so just to wrap up, so Andrew, do you have an uh another guy uh do you have another guy? That's, who will be your second guy after Luke Coonin?
0: I like uh, Samuel Ger- Gerard. Oh. There's a guy that, uh, you know, I think he's a little underrated on the back end with all the defensemen in the first round. Uh, but somebody that, uh, you know, even if you get him just outside that first round, he's going to be a guy that's uh, that's going to be interesting to watch as he grows.
2: You know, it's uh, interesting that you mentioned him because I was on uh, a show the other night. I mentioned interviewing Russ Cohen of Sportsology and uh, I, my question to him about the draft was that uh, if there's a guy in the draft who's going to go mid to late first round and they're overlooking that you feel like has a chance, like five years from now we're going to say, how did so-and-so go so late in the first round? This guy should have been, if not in the top ten, knocking on the door. And he, he mentioned Sam uh, Sam Gerard, And he felt, uh, again, uh, it's a little bit of undersized bias, especially, you know, with defensemen. Certainly, yeah. Okay, well that's uh that's that's good that's good to know that I tell you in in and uh been studying for this draft for a while now, uh I don't know how you guys feel and I guess we'll wrap it up with this last question. How do you feel um, I think this is a very strong draft. How would how do you got how if you were going to give it a grade <laughs> Uh, you know, B, B+, plus, you know, A-, minus. what grade would you give it, and do you think it's comparable to, let's say, last year's draft?
0: Go ahead, Mark.
1: I would say it's very comparable. Uh, and a lot of the mocks that I've seen uh, doing a full first round, a full second round, the one thing that I'm noticing is that a lot of players that we feel could go in the first round are slipping out of the first round, so you want to talk about the debt? Just the sheer depth of the class. And you, you teams that are picking early second round are going to get their hands on some potential first round talent. And then if you consider the top of the draft, the a, a, a big three. You know, last year was the big two. Now you got a big three. And I think it's even. You can make the argument that you know, top to bottom, it's it's pretty good. I'd give it a B plus. How about you, Andy? Yeah, I might be,
0: I might be a little. I might I might get criticized for this um but I think this is arguably the best draft in probably the last 5 to 7 years. Um wow. as, as Mark mentioned I, I think just the depth the pure depth of the of the, the talent that's in this in this uh draft pool is, is amazing and um you know just watching getting a chance to watch the t- Toronto and and uh you know they're going to have that first overall pick obviously and then they're sitting at 30 and 31 so I mean, you're getting two, potentially, you know, two other first-round talents at uh, your next two picks. So um, that's something that uh, is going to be exciting for Toronto, and um, it'll be interesting to watch to see if they do take those two picks and and try and move up. But, uh, no, I think this is a a great draft, a lot of talent, a a lot of heritage in this this draft in terms of, you know, kids of – Former NHLers uh, getting a chance to to make their their own name for themselves, um, and uh, yeah, I'd give it an a a minus to uh, to an A right now.
2: I just thought of a last question for both of you. We'll start with Andrew, and then we'll go to Mar- we'll finish up with Mark. <coughs> if I said to you guys, give me a team or two that you say, well, watch out for this team to trade up in the first round. Be it if they're you know whatever they're picking in the twenties or the teens. Watch out for so-and-so, these couple teams, uh, to trade up. Who, who would be on your short list? I
0: personally think uh, watch for Toronto to trade up. They've got so many picks in this draft. It's, it would not surprise me to see them, whether they try to move up in the first round or they or they move up uh, using a couple of the later picks to move up in the uh, the second or third round. Um there's some there's some talent in that, that second round that i I'm, I'm sure they're interested in. I mentioned earlier with their their goalie prospects. There's Carter Hart, uh, definitely a guy to watch in this draft as well. Um, but yeah, i I wouldn't be shocked if Toronto moved up in this draft. about you, Mark.
1: Well, I'll give you three. I actually wrote about them in my emptying the combine piece. Uh, I'll start with the hometown sabers you know. If there's a general manager in the league that is not afraid to make a big splash, you know, given the fact that the draft is in Buffalo this year, uh, you got to think of the Sabres. You know, with, you know, if Columbus's number three pick is available, I mean, Tim Murray would love the chance to be able to get that. So that's one team to watch. Um, another team is Montreal at number nine. You know, for them to be able to jump up and grab an elite player like a Kachuk or um, a Pauly or a Dubois, um, I, know, I know Elliot Freeman's mentioned it I heard it at the combine They're kind of a little bit of a sneaky team to watch And I think the other one's Minnesota I mean they desperately need Offensive help They have a middle of the first round pick And they have a lot of defensemen You know, Can they package something together To be able to get um, Up in the top Or as those that will at least try to get up Will they do it's a different story But do you, you think Minnesota
2: sure. could be a fit with uh, Edmonton?
1: There, there definitely could be something there. Sure, I mean, given what each other's needs are, they definitely. Now they're in the same division, so you kind of wonder if they would be willing to do that. But you could definitely see why they would. That could potentially work out.
2: Maybe Matthew Dumba to Edmonton as a as a principal change of draft picks kind of thing
1: something similar to that, you know, whether it be Brodine or Dumpa, somebody like that along with Pitts. Yeah, a lot of possibilities there.
2: Well, real quick, why don't you guys give me, uh, we'll go Mark and then Andrew, what, uh, where people uh, can find your work, where they can find you on Twitter?
1: Yeah, as you can find me um, writing with the hockey writers. Um, I'm at Park on Twitter, and you can Follow along for draft coverage with emphasis on the OHL, and then you can also find me doing stuff with the Columbus Blue Jackets. You you can find
0: me, yeah, you can find me working, uh, writing for the Hockey Writers on Twitter at Andrew G. Forbes. Um, Like Mark said, follow along. um, I cover a lot of leafs. I do fantasy hockey, uh, do some prospect work, but uh, just giving a shout out here to Mark, definitely give him a follow for the draft. He's going to be there live. Uh, great follow. A lot of stats, a lot of, a lot of interesting facts. So definitely a good follow. If you guys are out there and want to give uh, Mark a follow.
2: Well, thank you guys. You, the, the, thank you guys, Mark. It was a pleasure. We wanted to have you on the show for some time, Andrew. You've been on a couple of times. We love having you on and thank you so much, gentlemen. Look, it's going to be a real fun draft and, Look for our next show sometime next week after the NHL announcement about expansion. We'll have a quick show on that. And with that, everyone have a great Friday night and and uh, have fun at the draft. We'll have, and we'll have to check to see how, how we all did.
0: Have a good one, guys.
2: it
1: be yeah, good. Too. Thanks,
2: guys. Bye-bye. And we're gone.